You are listening in on LEAP. In today's episode, we are starting the conversation about Individualized Education Programs, or IEPs, featuring LEAP Forward's Program Director and Developmental Therapist, Dana Hutchins. And most people probably listening to this know what an IEP is, but some people might be really new to the world. Mm-hmm. So can you give me, and I'm new to the world, I know kind of a general explanation of what an IEP is. Sure. So first, an IEP stands for Individualized Education Program, um, and it's a federal document, so mandated by federal law, that a school uses to procure services for kids with special needs. So it's the document that says what you can do, how much you can do, and also what's required. So it's required to be followed by law, by a school. A federal, I don't think I realized that was a federal thing. So being a federal document, it allows you to take it from school to school, from district to district. And even if you get, say, an IEP in Chicago and you want to take it to the suburbs, they still have to honor that IEP. They might want to change it or put it in their own format, but those services still need to be given if it's within the same calendar year. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that was going to be my next question, which we're going to kind of go into some more questions about what the IEP process looks like. Um But how often does one get Get an IEP? An IEP starts out with an initial evaluation, and those are done every three years, and that's called a full evaluation. So that would be kind of equivalent in the clinical world to um, a diagnostic, right, where we decide what what the need is or what the diagnosis is, and then what supports are, are given from there. So... Every three years, a child's going to go through that process to decide if they're even eligible for services. Mm -hmm. And then every year, the document needs to be updated. So goals are checked every year. Um, On a quarterly basis, you go through and decide if goals have been mastered or if they still need to be worked on. And then every year at a certain date, the IEP needs to be updated. Okay. What qualifies, like, or when are students qualified for an IEP. Are teachers the one going to parents saying, Mm -hmm. let's get an IEP? Are parents the one going to teachers? How does that, what does that process, just the start of the the IEP process look like? So it can come from a couple of different places. You can do a school referral. So um, that might be in in a typical classroom, a teacher is noticing a student that's having challenges and says, I think we need to look at this child for an IEP. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the once a child's in school route. The other route is through the early intervention program. Mm -hmm. So early intervention goes from zero to three. As soon as that child turns three, they go from early intervention to an IEP. Okay. So they go into a preschool program with their IEP. So it turns from kind of a family home-based service to a school-based service. Got it. So that's option number two. Option number three is a private school referral. So as a private school, I go to the school district and say... I think this child needs services. We need to get them evaluated. Um, And then the the last option is the one that we use here at LEAP is um, the parents make their request and they say, my child has these things that I think qualifies them for an IEP. I want an evaluation. When should our parents, particularly at LEAP, um, but also out there um, who might be listening in, um, be thinking about the timeline of get, of looking into an IEP? So I think that the general feeling is that I want to get this done as soon as possible. But what we really want to do is make sure that we get the most accurate picture of a kid. So mm-hmm. typically an assessment that's done any more or an evaluation done any more than six months out, 
um, is going to be something from like, say the beginning of a school year is going to be something that we're going to want to redo, right? Because every six months, who knows how much progress is going to be. You're going to see goals change. And, right. Okay. So um, typically I recommend the school year starts in September. So typically I recommend starting the process somewhere in January or February. Okay. Um, from there, there's like specific... In, in the IEP process or because it's a federal law, there's timelines laid out. So the school district has a certain amount of days to respond to your request. They have a certain amount of days to um, schedule an eval. After the eval, they have a certain amount of days to write the IEP. So it's all mandated what it looks like from there. So it can't take any more than a certain amount of time. Okay. And then let's go into what does what does this process look like from... I would say like start to finish. So you have a family. We'll, we'll go through like the leap way because that's family. how yeah. that's how what we do here. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about different um, strategies to help with those transitions. Um, but in the leap way, what does that process look like? So it first starts with you kind of identifying that this is something that you want to do. So there's a ton of different school options out there and that's a whole nother large conversation. But yep. you have... Um, and possibly another podcast. <laughs> you have your, your public school option, right? Mm-hmm. So if you decide that public school is even an option, the thing with an IEP is that it's only truly valid in a public school. Okay. A private school isn't required to follow an IEP. Do Some they, do. I was going to say, do, the, do private schools typically either follow or at least acknowledge the need that's being presented on the IEP? Many will acknowledge it, um, but they don't necessarily have the funds, the services to to follow the IEP. So um, they will ask for it to kind of get an idea. It's a universal kind of well-known educational document, but they might not be able to follow it. Okay. So it's helpful, but it might not be something that they can do in its entirety. Okay. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't have one kind of in your back pocket. Okay. The So the process at LEAP is it starts with identifying that public school might be an option for you or that your private school wants one. And then we start by doing the kind of gathering of records. So before you go to CPS or whatever school district you're looking at and say, we want this evaluation, you need to prove it. So you need to give them some sort of information like reports, evaluations done by your private therapist, So at LEAP, what we do is gather all of that information first. So if your child has an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, their classroom teacher, Mm -hmm. all of that's gathered together and then sent off to CPS. Um, I'm using CPS because that's where most of our IEPs are done through. Um, So that gets sent off to CPS with a private school referral. So it's a one pager that you fill out saying, this is what I want. Um, And typically we do that through email. It's the easiest way to do it. The Office of Diverse Learners and Student Supports is what it's called. Got it. And we actually have that, if you're listening to the podcast through leapforward.com, on our parent resources page, there is um, a link to that office. Nice. And I also have um, kind of a form that I like to give parents of like, this is the information you need to give them. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of a sample email that you kind of just fill in your kid's information and send it off. Which is So, So all of it comes from Leap but is actually requested by the parents. Got it. Because we can't be the ones making the request. Got it. Okay. So that's that's step one, that's, is kind of sending everything yeah. there. So from there, um, they have 14 days to, and that's this is where it gets tricky. Sometimes it's school days, and sometimes it's 
business days and sometimes it's days days uh, <laughs> like calendar days so it, it gets tricky what it all means but 14 days if you you need a response from CPS saying yes we'll evaluate or no we won't okay and kind of why or why not Typically, they say yes. Um, I haven't really run into a situation with any of our kiddos that they've said no. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, And then they'll do the initial valuation. And that is a lengthy process where any discipline that could be relevant to a child's educational needs, so anything that could impact how the child accesses academics, how they... Um, are going to be in a classroom is something that's going to be part of the evaluation. Okay. So the the difference between clinical services and school services are that from a from a school standpoint, we have to prove that whatever the disability is mm-hmm. impacts the educational environment. Okay. So it can't just be a sensory need, or like even a child with say Down syndrome might not qualify okay. for services because it doesn't impact negatively on education. That's tricky. It is tricky. So you have to prove that whatever the disability is, whether it's a speech delay or whatever it is, fits in the educational world. So services look very different from clinic to school. Okay. Because the school's responsibility is to do this in an educational environment. Okay. Instead of a clinic's responsibility, which is from a medical necessity standpoint. Okay. That's... That's hard. There's a lot of nuances in, in the process. Right. And it also probably is very um, hard and an emotional standpoint to be focused very much on the deficits. Right. So you have to, in order to prove a need for services, you do have to highlight where the challenges lie. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, yes, your child can do this, but they can't do X, Y, and Z. That's really hard, especially because I want to always highlight the gains, and it's mm-hmm. and that's a wonderful thing. But in this space, when you want to make sure going into, particularly if you're going into the public school setting, you want to make sure that your child is getting the services they need. And by that, this is that must be a really hard, but necessary demand. Yes, and 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 the way the process works is. Um, at least in CPS for an initial evaluation, you go through what they call a citywide assessment team. Okay. So it's not your child's home school. There's, there's an office actually a couple blocks from LEAP that does um, all of the assessments. So okay. they have kids just come in throughout the day and kind of cycle through these assessments. So the team sees the child for an hour, does their evaluation, an hour, hour and a half-ish. Okay. So in that time, a speech therapist comes in, an occupational therapist. You have the school psychologist. I mean, there's this team of people that come in and ask questions and observe the child and ask questions of the parents. Um, They take a break. They kind of compile all their results. Meanwhile, you're waiting. Um, So it is a day-long process in CPS. Um, And then they come back and they report what they found and and really just read kind of their reports and and where they see the deficits Mm -hmm. or the challenges might be in a classroom. Um, And then they'll say yes, they're eligible for these services, or no, they aren't. Okay. Based on their assessments. Okay. And then, um, so that's the first assessment. Mm -hmm. That's called the initial evaluation. So um, they'll ask you, do you consent to an evaluation? You say yes, and they go ahead and they do the evaluation. Okay. So from, from our standpoint, they do take some of our information into consideration. So they'll 
look at reports. They'll um, we use a lot of similar assessments. Um, that's also a place where we've gone to the IEP with families and okay. and kind of helped advocate for some of those services. Okay, so then they give you the initial evaluation back and they say here's some service here's the services that so they say here's what you qualify for you qualify for speech you qualify for ot you qualify for special ed services okay and then they say okay are you ready to develop the iep so we're not even in the iep we're not even i was i was okay i was like okay great now that we have a list of what's happening here's all the stuff that you get No, no um so then they go from there and they say okay you're eligible now we need to develop the iep and so that um, starts with where's the child at? Um, so that's called the current or the present level of performance. Okay. And then from there, where do we want the child to go? So you develop goals, typically benchmarked or divided every quarter of the school year. So every 12 weeks, the okay. goal is to move you know, one step closer to the year-long goal. So goals are written for a year time span. So it'll say by... Say you're doing the IEP in February. By February 2019, the child will be able to do X, Y, and Z, and then it'll be broken down into 12-week time spans from there. Okay. Based on a school year. Got it. So it's 180 days. So then they you develop the IEP, you have your goals, and then we get to the part of like what supports do we need in place? Okay. For these goals. And the, it's this, is it the same team that does the evaluation that's developing the IP, more or less? More or less. Um, ideally, it is. If once you're in a school, mm-hmm. it's a team that's like assigned to a school. But these citywide assessment teams, people kind of shift in and out. So it depends on the day, how many kids are there. Um, an OT might need to jump from team to team. Okay. So it ideally, it's the same person, but sometimes they have to flip-flop. Got it. And... Are parents in that space allowed and or can they have their own team? Like, for example, the leap, a leap parent could have our, like you're our transition coordinator, program director and Mm -hmm. everything of under the sun in that way (laughs) when it comes to school transitions, but Mm -hmm. also their own, the OT that's been working with their child for X yep. amount of years and all of those. So by law, um, and again, a lot of this is mandated by federal law, the the timelines and what needs to be in an IEP, the process. So yes, you can bring anyone you want. Okay. That's your your role and the, or your rights and responsibilities can can do that. Um, okay. The, the way it's stated is anyone who has knowledge of the child. Okay. So they leave it general. They leave it very general. So it can be your babysitter. It could be... A therapist just an advocate for your child mm-hmm. or it could be a formal advocate so okay there there are people who are trained formal advocates for um, this process mm-hmm. got it um if you get to a point where a lawyer is necessary a lawyer can be there as well got it got it and that does happen it does happen okay um and we can kind of get into that process okay a little bit later okay that's the i'm not happy with it got it (laughs) so we're not we haven't even gotten the ip yet nope okay so we're now we're in the you can bring your team they're going through and we're deciding what services we're deciding uh we already know that you're going to get ot or speech right or special ed we're deciding what that looks like yes and so the iep lays out where the services are going to be how often the services are going to be 
and what the services are going to look like. So the goals are the what, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to work on. The where is, are we going to be in the classroom or are we going to be, you know, one-on-one outside of the classroom? Okay. And the when is how often. Okay. Right. So is it going to be 30 minutes a week? Is it going to be, um, and it's broken down into minute segments. So in CPS, the minutes are 23, 2700, somewhere in there. Okay. And so it's broken down per week. And so it's broken down minutes per week. Okay. So wow. if you get, so you got to do some math. So if you get, um, say you have 60 minutes of English language arts classes every day times five, that gets your minutes a week. It's 300 minutes a week of English language arts services is okay. how it would look on your IEP. Okay. So that means that the school is then required to have a special education teacher with your child. Now it could be in a small group. It could be in the classroom or it could be um, pull out one-on-one. Just depends on kind of what each child needs. And the IEP would specify Mm -hmm. it. So it would say one-on-one English. It'll say um, direct service minutes and then either in the classroom or outside of the classroom. Got it. Okay. So there's a, they call it the grid. Um, they call it the least restrictive environment grid. So it's it's literally a, a table mm-hmm. on one of the pages of the IEP that lays everything out where you get your services. Okay. It's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> and then from there, you develop the accommodations and modifications. So those are the things, the everyday things that anyone who's working with your child is responsible for doing. Okay. So things like um, one of the ones that you see a lot is like preferential seating. So that means that your child gets to sit in the front of the classroom near the teacher. Okay. Um, It might be breaking down assignments. So that means instead of getting, you know, 30 questions and having to answer all 30 questions on a math sheet at once, it's they do five at a time and are only presented with five at a time. Oh. So there's literally anything under the sun you can think of can be written into those accommodations wow um, so it's just a matter of what's realistic and mm-hmm. what is appropriate for each child's profile and when that's happening so when deciding of how the services will be rolled out mm-hmm. are the parents being informed of all the options that this that's could be question. laid out they typically are not yeah um unless a parent has done a significant amount of research or has been through the process before, which is is hard to do. It, it's hard to, unless you've actually done the process a couple of times, mm-hmm. all of the nuances of it, there's not really a, a one-stop shop to, to find this information. Right. Um, you know, you can read the federal law if you'd like. It's, it's quite the dry read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't lay out the specifics. So, um, just because in my head when you said that, it was like, how would a parent know, okay, my child is getting X amount of minutes. Yeah. That's great. We won that victory. But, like, to know, wait a minute, but my child would do really well with getting five math questions at a time to even know that that that's was an option. And that's where having um, somebody come with you who's mm-hmm. been through the process a couple of times more than a couple of times makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, typically here at LEAP, we ask each clinician to come up with things that they think would be beneficial. So those those therapeutic supports that we use here at LEAP can be transferred over mm-hmm. to 
a school setting. So things like using a fidget during, you know, a group structured activity to having something to chew on to using gum, mm-hmm. all of that can be written into an IEP. What um, I like to do for CPS is they they have a form that they're filling out while they're talking to you. Um, and you can say, can you read through your list of accommodations? And I'll tell you which ones I'd like. Ooh, um, okay. So they have a, they have a list um, that they can just like click X and then they can also add additional ones. But that way they might say something where you're like, ooh, that sounds like a good idea. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that you can request in that meeting. You can. Yeah. Um, they might not be thrilled about it, but... But you can request you, it. You can request it. Um, and, and most case managers, um, the, the meeting is typically run by a case manager. Most case managers have been very accommodating, we'll say. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the more, from a LEAP standpoint, the more we work with these teams, we see the same team over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of started to develop this relationship where they know that what we're coming in with is is valid and legitimate and so they they want that information from us and do you like so you i know as leap we have we work with a lot of kids so we have seen this process a lot but let's say it's my child has gone through this at going into at six years old going into cps schools Mm -hmm. and then we come again three years later to do this again. It's the same. Do, do these parents typically have the same team as they go through the years? I mean, I mean, pending typical corporate turnover. turnover yeah. But like, um, is it typically the same? You're working with the same people in the same team? Or? Ideally, if okay. you're if you're in the same school, so mm-hmm. your child goes to X CPS school, um, as long as that uh, teacher or therapist is still there, then yes, that would be the same team. Okay. So it's not like it turns over based on like age range. It can. Okay. Some therapists are, you know, K to three and then three to five. Okay. Um, you get those typical, um, age breakdowns. So you okay. have the K three, then it typically goes like four to seven or eight. And then you have the high school teams, okay. um, but that's going to shift with your school. Gotcha. So that's going to be when a kid like typically makes that transition anyway. Got it. What does happen though is the natural turnover. And so that's when clinicians are going to change and you don't have say over who that person's going to be. Got it. So the IEP doesn't lay out a specific person. It just says you have to have a speech therapist. Okay. So now we have our list of services. Mm-hmm. We got our IEP. Mm-hmm. Now what do we do? So now it's a matter of, is this what you want? Um, okay. did, did you get everything that you want? Um, and typically there's going to be some give and take. So you, you can't go in there guns blazing and say, I want all of these things and expect it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I encourage, and this is hard to do, but encourage families to do is take the perspective of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are working within a budget. They are working within, you know, multiple kids needing services and and every parent wants as much as they can get for their child Mm -hmm. um but it isn't going to be like clinic services you're not going to get ot for an hour twice a week Mm -hmm. Um, it's just not within the the realm of possibility but that doesn't mean that you can't request more or that you can't ask to change things or kind of work collaboratively with the team Mm -hmm. that's what an iep is the parent is should be the most important part of the team Mm -hmm. So if you decide that you're good to go and everything kind of works out, um, now we could go back and forth with a couple of different drafts. 
then you finalize the IEP and it goes into practice. Um, so depending on the, how long the process takes, an IEP might go into practice in, say, if we start in February, in, you know, by the end of April, you have an IEP. Well, your child's still not starting school till September. Mm-hmm. The IEP will be active at that point, but your child will be not attending. Okay. So once they start school, that IEP will pick back up. Gotcha. I want to go back into once it's in practice, what that looks like. We're going to put a pin in that and we're going to go Check. back to that. So you're unhappy with something. So you didn't things. get what you want. You didn't get what you want. You even you're you have realistic expectations. You're right. not coming in with cuckoo bananas expectations. Right. But you felt you feel really slighted on your realistic goals. Right. What now? What now? So that can those things come from a couple of different places. So sometimes a child is found ineligible for certain services. Mm-hmm. We see that a lot with speech. Um, OT sometimes too. If if fine motor is okay, getting OT gets a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. If a child can talk and produce language in a fairly typical manner, then it's going to be a little bit tougher to kind of get the comprehension end of things covered from a speech therapist. Gotcha. Um, so that can take a little bit of of work, and and that's where support from a speech team or an OT team helps mm-hmm. in the process. Um, if it's a an accommodation that you want or minutes you're not getting, mm-hmm. and there's absolutely no wiggle room from the team, um, then you can choose to not put the IEP in practice. So the whole IEP, or it has parts to be. You can do parts of it, or you can say I don't want this part in the IEP. Okay. Um, or you can say I don't want the IEP. Okay. What that means though is that you don't have any services. Gotcha. So, but you can say like I don't want this part. Yes. In practice. Yes. You're like, I, I want everything but what you have for the speech. Mm-hmm. So I'm rejecting the speech piece. Yes. But everything else, let's put in Let's practice. put in there. Yep. Okay. It's easier. It's going to be easier for them, for you to say, no, I don't want things, than to add extra things. Gotcha. Um, there is a place in the IEP where you can write um, a dissent and you can say, I do not agree with these results or, you know, I I really feel that they need speech services, although they didn't qualify. And that'll be written in the IEP. So anyone that reads it might have the inclination to kind of look at it again and say, hmm. So when it comes back around for like the check. Well, even if, um, so the IEP goes to anyone working with your child. So the teacher, you know, as a teacher, you know, getting ready to know my class at the beginning of the year, I'm going to read it and go, hmm. Mom says he Mom needs... Mom says he needs speech. I wonder what that's about. Gotcha. Right. That's Some teachers smart. do that. So it, it's in there. Okay. So you can leave that those things in there. Um, if you're really not happy with the process um, and there is no wiggle room, um, there is the there are legal alternatives. So you can go and, and hire a lawyer and go the legal route and go through what we call due process. And so due process is then taking this outside of the school realm and and kind of into a legal it's a legal matter then okay saying that you know based on the federal law you're not giving my child what they need gotcha so that can happen in this initial process it can also happen if your child's not getting the services that the iep has laid out got so once that's the ieps in place now Mm -hmm. you've either 
accepted it for you're happy with it you've accepted it you put it into place or yeah. you're somewhat happy with it you've accepted parts of it you put it into place it's mm-hmm. now actively it happening is a, it is a legal document that is required to be followed yes so a child can't go into a classroom and a teacher go i'm not doing that got it they they have to do what's in do the what's IEP. in the iep okay so now your child's in school mm-hmm. and so you're saying sometimes that a classroom isn't adhering to or a class or a school isn't adhering to the iep mm-hmm. and that happens it does happen and then you have to bring that up do you bring that up with the same first you go through the same people who put the iep in place first you'd go each school is going to have case managers you'd go through your case manager and kind of figure out where the the stop point might be is it that there isn't a speech therapist at the school is it that um the way it's laid out doesn't make sense for how the school works the iep is what we call living document so Mm -hmm. even if you sign off on it and say put this in place it's not like it's you know stamped in stone for the next year Mm -hmm. It's always something that you can say, we need to change this. We need to revise it. Okay. Um, so there might be revisions that are needed down before that year mark. Got it. If something isn't happening, the case manager is the first person to go go through. You don't want to immediately jump the gun and say, I'm bringing in my lawyer. Yeah, Because right. that doesn't, it- doesn't help the relationship for anyone. So there are ways around it before the legal, the legal uh, route. Yeah. Okay. Brought in. So what are the steps that you would recommend to, with a family that you work with to mm-hmm. ensure that the IEP that you've settled on is being followed through with or is in place? Right. Um, so every IEP also comes with a progress monitoring piece. So okay. in addition to developing a goal, the goal has to ha- it has to be defined how that goal is going to be tracked and how progress is gonna be monitored. Okay. So that can look a number of different ways. It can be a document that the you know speech therapist has to, every time they work with your child, they have to log the time, and then they also you know do a, jot down a brief note. You could be taking um, actual data on what's happening. So if you're looking at you know a child being able to follow classroom directions, the teacher might be responsible for taking data on whether or not that's being done. And part of your right as a parent is to request that data at any time. So if you want to check, if you think services aren't happening or you want to check where services are at, have a conversation with your clinicians just like you and your teachers, just like you would here, right? Mm -hmm. Shoot them an email and say, hey, checking in on how things are going. Mm -hmm. Um, And and 99% of the time, somebody's going to respond okay. and let you know how things are going. Okay. Um, we've also done a lot of like homeschool communication books. So have that written into the IEP where it just, you know, is a quick note about what happened that day um, to, to just let you know that, yes, they went with the OT or the special ed teacher worked with them for math. Gotcha. Okay. That's, e- that's easy enough. Yeah. And it's part, especially having it be built into part of. If it's built in the IEP, it has to be done. So if it's in writing, it has to be followed. That's wonderful. Okay, well, that's what we had for at least the intro to IEPs. I'm sure we'll have parent questions, and <laughs> Dana at least round two leap is going to have um, a casual conversation mm-hmm. um, question and answer here at the end of November. Um, with more a more formal kind of transition planning 
um, probably in late January. Yes. Well, that wraps up the start of our conversation about IEPs. We will be speaking more about IEPs and school transitions on site at Leap Forward in November and again in January. You can always reach us online at leapforward.com. Leap Forward is a pediatric developmental clinic and therapeutic preschool and transitional kindergarten operating in Chicago with experts in occupational therapy, speech and language pathology, social work, developmental therapy, and early intervention. To speak with the professionals you heard today or talk to someone at Leap about your child, you can find us at leapforward.com. That's L-E-E-P forward.com.